Thank you, New Hope. Man, I feel encouraged. I haven't even preached anything. Praise God. It is good to be back. I'm always honored that my friend would ask me to come and share what God has for us and an opportunity to behold him. And so it is good to be here, New Hope. And for those watching online, we are so glad that you're tuning in to hear what God has for us and how we can walk in his ways. For those who I have not had the privilege of meeting, maybe you hadn't been here last time I was here. I am Nick, and I am from originally Atlanta, Georgia. Anybody else? Come on. Five of you, praise God, that's fine. I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee. Anybody? Okay, 12 more, that's great. I am married to an amazing, amazing woman. We have been married for 18 years. Her name is Laura. She is way out of my league. Pray for her. I'm a lot to deal with. We have these three beautiful babies that are no longer babies. My oldest, her name is Ava. She is 15, and she is a lovely human being. Every time I talk to her, hang out with her, I think to myself, I'm going to have to punch a boy in the throat for you. <laughs> but I want y'all to know I'm willing. I am willing to step in obedience. My oldest son, his name is Jackson. He is 13 years old. He's in eighth grade. And then my youngest, his, na his name is Nash. He is nine years old. He's very inquisitive and energetic. And he just adds something to our family that we very much need. I think when I first thought about parenting, I thought, man, I'm going to give these kids some wisdom, some knowledge. I'm going to shape them into how they should go. And yes, that's a part of parenting. But also, my kids are teaching me a lot of things. My oldest son, Jackson, he's teaching me what it looks like to be inconvenienced and to be available how he deals with his younger brother. Because listen, he is so patient with him. Nash gets all up in Jackson's grill all the time just because he wants to be in the presence of his big brother. And Jackson, in this graceful way, allows him to come and be a part of what he's doing. He allows his younger brother to play video games with his friends. He allows his younger brother to come into his room. He allows his younger brother to ask him all the questions all the time. And he just will go, well, I don't know, Nash. Well, Nash, let's think about that. He is so patient. And as I'm watching my son navigate this, I am just in awe of how willing he is to be available and inconvenienced for his little brother. And as I think about that and I look at that, it forces me to ask this question, Why? Why is he so willing to be inconvenienced? Why is he willing to be available? And it's not a complex answer. Simply, it's because he loves his little brother. Because he loves his little brother, he is willing to be inconvenienced and to make himself available for his little brother. But let's be honest. Convenience is an idol a lot of us bow down to on a regular basis. For some of us in here, we're like, I didn't like that. <laughs> but I'm with you. I want to be convenient. I want everything to be convenient. And if inconvenience comes my way, I typically get mad at someone or something. And you might be sitting there and you're like, Nick, you don't know me. I don't mind a little inconvenience. Let me just give you some practical examples of how we bow down to the idol of convenience. For some of you this week, you ordered a coffee beverage or something close to it from a, low, from a coffee shop. You went in to grab your drink and it was not ready and you were mad and ready to kick somebody. Some of y'all like, were you following me around? Some of you maybe last night 
Or some point in this week went to a restaurant and the waiter or the server didn't have your drink refilled in a timely manner and you were mad. Did they not see my water empty? For some of us, someone got in front of you and you tried to ram them with your car. Because, Lord behold, we get there 35 seconds later than what we initially were going to get there. But we will bow down to the idol of convenience so often. But we have been invited because of the way that Jesus navigated and the way that Jesus has lived to operate in a different manner. He has invited us to be available and be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the kingdom of God and for his glory. The reason why we are available is simply this. We had a savior who made himself available and accessible to us. Our example is not the person next to us. Our example is not our parents necessarily. Our ultimate example of how we should live and navigate in this world is Jesus. And you might be thinking to yourself, Nick, that's a high bar, but I want you to understand the goodness of our king. He put his very spirit within you to do the very thing he called you to do. So we get this opportunity just to yield to the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to better live out the things that God has called us to live. And he is inviting us to be available. So today, I don't know what that looks like and what that means for you, but it's a question that I think you need to wrestle with. What does it look like for me to be available today? For some of us, maybe... You've heard about Jesus, but yet you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe that's the step of availability you need to take today of going yes to the king. Maybe for you, it's stepping into a serving opportunity. Maybe it's you need to go be a part of the serving team that works with kids. Maybe for you, it's stepping into a missions opportunity of going and learning and serving in the DR. I can't tell you what it looks like, but this is what I do know. We all have a step that we have been called to take. And I want to encourage you, as we fix our eyes on God's word, as we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to be available and be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the kingdom and this beautiful gospel. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. Lord, my prayer for us as your people, as people who have come to encounter you, I pray that we will have open hands and open hearts to what you have for us today. Lord, I pray that we will be a people that surrender the throne of our lives to a more worthy king. Lord, I pray today that we are available, that we are willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of your gospel. And it all goes back to the fact that you were willing to be inconvenienced and you were available for us. So may we be a people that take our lead from you. And Lord, we pray that you will move in this place and in this space. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3, so you can go ahead and turn or tap there if you're following along on your phones or your tablets. Acts chapter 3. We're going to dive into a story there where we're going to see two followers of Jesus who are available and who are willing to be inconvenienced. If you were to ask me, even today or many years ago, if I was someone who was available and was willing to be inconvenienced, I would have given myself an A+. It's like, of course, Lord. 
For your glory, I'm willing to be inconvenienced and available no matter what. But what's interesting is the Lord in his goodness will allow us opportunities for us to see where we really are. I've heard people say that, hey, the Lord wants to see where you are. The Lord knows where you are, everybody. You are not a mystery to him. He knows. But the truth of the matter is, oftentimes, we don't know where we really are. And some years ago, the Lord gave me an opportunity that has stood out in my life as one of those moments where the Lord needed to teach me something. I was in south of Atlanta many years ago, and I was there for a job interview, and I went to the job interview, and I had $10 in my pocket, which was plenty of money to get $5 worth of gas, because back in the day, gas cost 99 cents a gallon. Moment of silence. Praise him. So five gallons will get you far. And some of y'all are like, really? Back in those days, 99 cents. So I had enough money to get half a tank of gas. And also, I had enough money to get me some breakfast. And y'all, I was going to get a McGriddle from McDonald's and a large orange juice. Praise him. So I'm at the gas station, and I have my $10 in my pocket, and I'm getting $5 worth of gas. And as I'm doing this, I see someone approaching me over my shoulder. And I'm thinking to myself, if I ignore them, then they don't exist. Because if I don't see you, then I don't have to attribute value and worth to you, so I'm not responsible for doing something with what I see and behold. So I'm trying to ignore this person, and I see that they are approaching me. And the person I see looks like they have had a rough go at life. And so as I'm there pumping the gas, they approach me, and they say, hey, sir, Do you have a few dollars that you can spare so I can get myself a motel room? See, I just got out of jail. Let's pause for a second. That's not the way I would have started that conversation. That may be something you share at the five-minute point, but not the five-second point. Because I'm thinking to myself, if I need to at any moment, I will run and scream. I am not afraid. But he says, do you have a few dollars you can spare? And I'm doing the math in my head. I'm going, okay, I can give him a couple of dollars. I'll get this $5 worth of gas. I'll still have money for a McGriddle, but I will sacrifice my orange juice on his behalf. (laughs) So I go inside. I pay for my gas. I don't get my McGriddle or orange juice. I'll swing back by later when he's gone away to get it. So I walk back outside, and I give him a couple of dollars. And y'all, I'm thinking to myself, look at me, God. I've done it. I've been obedient. I've given this guy $2, and look at me. I know I am blessed and highly favored now. And then that man had the audacity to ask me for more help, y'all. He said, sir, thank you so much for a couple of dollars. Do you mind giving me a ride to the motel so I can rest and shower? And I thought to myself, what more do you want from me? I gave you the money for my OJ. What else do you want? So in that moment, the Holy Spirit is like, hey, Nick, and I hate it when the Holy Spirit puts his nose in my business, (laughs) y'all. He says, hey, Nick, um, do you have space for someone to sit in your car? Well, yes. Do you now have gas that you have filled your car up with? Well, yes. Are you going to be available? Begrudgingly, I said, I will give you a ride to the motel. So we're riding, and as we're riding, he's taking off his shoes, and he's taking off his socks. And y'all, I don't like anybody's feet. (laughs) 
And he's doing this, and I'm going, what is, Lord, what have you gotten me into? He continues to do this, and he goes, man, my feet are so sore. I have sores on them because my shoes have holes in them, and my feet are just struggling. Do you have any extra shoes? And I thought to myself, who carries extra shoes in the car? And I said, sir, sorry, I don't have extra shoes. And I thought to myself, I'm not giving you mine either. So we continue to drive, and we make it to this motel, and there were a couple of moments on the way there that I thought, this is where I end up on the news, because he's about to take a brother out. <laughs> but we're there, and I park, and I'm waiting for him to get out of my car, because, y'all, I have been doubly inconvenienced. He took my orange juice money, and he took my time. And as he's sitting there, he's lingering a little bit, and he says, sir, are you sure you don't have any more money to give to me, because I just need a few more dollars to get this motel room? And as I'm sitting there, the Holy Spirit just started to work in me. And he said, hey, Nick, remember, your example is the king of kings. What would the king do? So I said, sir, you can have my last $3. Also, do you want my shoes? I don't know if you said something that you go, where did that come from? So I took off my shoes and my socks and I gave it to this man and he went into the motel and he got to shower and I also, before he got out, I said, hey, Tony, that was his name. I said, Tony, here's my number. If you need anything, if I can help you, give me a call. You know, that's not a story about how good I was. I wasn't. I was trying every way I knew how to get out of this opportunity to be obedient and to be available because I did not want to be inconvenienced by this man because in my head, I thought to myself, he got out of jail. He probably did something wrong, Lord. So now you want me to serve him and love him and be available, but God, I got things to do. But yet the Holy Spirit said, not today, Nick. And he, the Holy Spirit gave me an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus and reflect him well although I was reluctant to step into it. Today, as we navigate through Acts chapter 3, we're going to see two individuals that were willing to be inconvenienced and available for the sake of the gospel. As we look at Acts 3, we're going to see two gentlemen that were handpicked by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be his disciples and follow him. They had just experienced Pentecost, Holy Spirit falling down, them seeing something that they had never seen before. So these two men have been changed by the gospel. They have been changed by the Holy Spirit and they are seeing things differently and they are walking differently because of what God has done in their lives. And we're going to see that they were willing to be inconvenienced and that they were available. Why? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was available for them and they couldn't help themselves. So they went and did likewise. So Acts chapter 3, let's dive in. Verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Peter and John, y'all are going to church. At the time of prayer... They had an agenda, they had some place they needed to be, and they were going. But yet, they are going to be interrupted. We're going to see from the example of their lives is that these two men were willing to be in a position of being available. Peter and John placed themselves in an available position. Let me ask you this question. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. Would you say that you are in an available position? 
If you're always hurried and if you have no bandwidth to slow down, if you are always busy, let me go ahead and spoiler alert, you are not in an available position. And you might be thinking to me, but Nick, you don't know me. I'm a very busy person. I've got so much to do. I've got so many places to be. And here's my pushback. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who created all things and all things were made in him and through him still had the bandwidth to be available for those around him. If Jesus was available, then we can be available. The question is, are you willing to be? Verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going on into the temple courts. Every single day of this man's life, he was brought to the same place to do the same thing, to beg outside of the Beautiful Gate. He was kind of a part of the background at this point because he had gone there so often that people just kind of stopped even paying attention to him. He became a part of the scenery. So people would pass him and go, that's the guy who's always there. But what I noticed from the text is not many people are stopping, if any. Not many people are engaging him. That was until Peter and John, who had met with King Jesus, is going to change the narrative. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Here's what I'm noticing, and here's what you need to know what is true. Everyone around us has a need of some kind. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, your family, everybody has a need of some kind. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's physical, but everyone needs to experience more of Jesus. Everyone around us has a need. And so these guys are experiencing that this beggar, this man who's brought to the same place every single day has a need. Now they could do this. They could go, well, what am I supposed to do about it? But we're going to notice that they don't do that. And they also don't ignore him. First, number four. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Y'all, something's good's about to happen. They don't ignore him. They don't walk by him. And remember, they were off busy going to church. But they recognize that sometimes it's about the interruption. That the interruption might be a divine appointment from the king. And so what did they do? They saw this man and they go, okay, we're going to engage with him. We are going to offer what we have. We're not going to be too busy to be available. We are willing to be inconvenient for the sake of our king. Let's lean in. Peter goes, look at us. And I could get into a whole nother sermon about how this should be surprising that Peter, out of all the people, were willing to be inconvenienced. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. The man listened to him and gave them his attention. See, he wanted some means and some money, but they had something much more. And the reason why John and Peter were willing to see this man is because they had been seen. Think about something. Peter and John, they were not on anyone's draft list, according to the rabbis. 
And we know this because they were doing the family businesses. They were doing what their parents had done. They were doing what their family had done. Then rolls up is Jesus, this new this rabbi who invited them to come and be fishers of men. They had been seen by the king himself. And because they had been seen by the king, they wanted to see others on behalf of the king. And that's exactly what they did. They looked at this man and they did not just see someone who was an interruption. They saw someone who had the very character and image of God. So they stopped and they paused. They looked at this man, he asked him for help, and they engaged with him. Andy Stanley says this, which I love this quote. He said it many years ago, and I think it's so rich and so true. He says, do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because if we all did for the one what we wish we could do for everyone, it might change the world. But certainly, it would change one person's world, and this is the part I love. It may even change your world. Verse six. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Y'all, a miracle just happened. This man who was broken, this man who was lame, had an encounter with Jesus through the conduit of John and Peter, and his life was forever changed. This man was just looking for some silver or gold, but he got transformation. God is all about using a temporary fix to display his eternal solution. It wasn't just about him walking again. It was about him having life and life to the full through Jesus. It was much bigger than what that man even thought it was. And Peter and John were able to be a part of something that God was doing. See, Peter and John go, hey, we don't have a lot of money, but what I do have, I give to you. And I think it directly addresses typically our biggest argument against being obedient and being available and being inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. So many of us go, but God, I don't have a lot to give. Maybe you mean time. Maybe you mean resources. I don't know what that means for you in your context, but that's typically how we're talking. Well, God, I just don't have a whole lot of you fill in the blank. But if you have Jesus, you have something to offer. I think you need to hear that again. If you have Jesus, you have something to offer. We gotta be a people that stop telling God what we cannot do and stop giving him the facts of his story. Let us please stop telling the author about how his story is going. He knows. And so if you have Jesus, you have something to offer. And hear me, the Lord desires to use you. I got called to ministry in middle school, and y'all, I was mad at God. I said, God, I haven't even had time to make my testimony really good. <laughs> and then again, when I felt this call to ministry, and my mom would tell me stuff like, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a pastor. Actually, my mom would say, you're either going to be a pastor or a doctor. I kept praying for a doctor because I wanted a big old house, y'all. 
But I remember feeling this call to ministry and having that affirmed by people. And I thought to myself, God, what are we doing? And then I got really good at telling the author about his story. I said, well, God, um, I hear what you're doing, but maybe you had forgotten this. But I have been in speech therapy class since kindergarten. I don't speak too well, God. And, and I ended up being in speech therapy class until my junior year of high school. And I got really good at telling God why he could not use me. And then I had a moment with God like Moses had with the burning bush where God goes, hey, Moses, I hear what you're saying. Thank you for the facts. Thank you for letting me in on the story. But I want you to remember that I'm the author and I made your mouth. I made your mouth. So I would say to us as a people in process, don't forget who made your mouth. Don't forget who the author is. So maybe it's time for us to stop telling God what we not gonna do and start believing what he said he will do and walk in obedience. Mr. Rogers, I love him. He says this. You know it's a good sermon when Mr. Rogers' quote is up on it's not so much what we have in this life that matters. It's what we do with what we have. Scripture calls that stewardship. It's not so much what we have in this life that matters. It's what we do with it, with what we have. Verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Obedience will always yield far more than what we expect. You have been invited to be obedient. And God will do with your obedience far more than you could ever hope for or what you could expect. I don't know what Peter and John thought would happen, but I guarantee you they did not think that this man was going to start worshiping and dancing. <laughs> they didn't think that in the midst of what they were doing that a worship service was going to break out. But this man who had been identified as a beggar and the least of these is now walking and praising and jumping. And Peter and John have been impacted by this man's life change. Verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. Being available attracts attention. Hear me, not to you, but to your king. Peter and John didn't do it. The power of the Holy Spirit did it. They were just a conduit of it. And so they got to see something in their midst by being obedient. And people are noticing, they're like, isn't that Bob the beggar? His name wasn't really Bob. It just made sense right then. What is Bob the beggar and the lame guy doing jumping and leaping? It's like he has a new identity, and he did. He was no longer known by his brokenness, but the mender of his brokenness. And they got to be a part of that. They got to see God move by them being willing to be inconvenienced and being available. 
Guys, we get the same opportunity every single day to be a conduit of the kingdom of God. At your homes, at your work, when you go out to eat, when you're with your friends, you have an opportunity to be available. We have an opportunity to not bow to the idol of convenience. We get an opportunity to be salt and light and reflect the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And again, you might be going, but Nick, again, I, I hear what you're saying. But what does that look like in everyday Busy, crazy life. I'm glad you asked. I want to give you a couple of practical ways to be available and be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the kingdom of God so that you can be a conduit of the kingdom of God. Number one is this. Hang up and hang out. Put your phone down. This is not an inviting posture. So many of us are so busy looking at life happening on our screens that we're missing out on life around us. And I'm talking to me. Hang up and hang out. And some of you, some of you who are introverted might be like, Wait, well, if I'm in the doctor's office and I'm not on my phone, then people will want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. They zap your energy. But listen, we get an opportunity to lean in and for us to engage in the divine appointments that are all around us. Second thing I would say, first, hanging up and hanging out, but the second is linger a little longer. When you get home today, maybe don't put your garage door down before you get out of the car. Some of you are like, then my neighbors might want to talk to me. Exactly. Hear me. You are not in your neighborhood, in your house, in your apartment on accident. You are not at your place of work on accident. You are not in the families that you have on accident. And some of y'all like, Nick, I need prayer. Amen. God has placed you in these positions on purpose because he's an intentional God. And he wants you to lean in And remember to be available because he has some sort of divine appointment that you may never see the fruit of, but you can rest assured that God is using you. Number three, slow down. I noticed something a couple weeks ago. I was trying to get my family ready for church. And I remember just walking around the house rushing Come on, we gotta go. Come on, we gotta go. Get your donut. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. And I remember yelling at my kids, get in the car. Get in the car. We gotta go worship the king, right? <laughs> and just a moment of clarity, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, Nick, I know you were rushing, but you're not going any faster. You are rushed. But you're not getting out of the house faster. You're not going to get there faster. So you are really rushing for no reason. And Nick, you're not really reflecting the King of Kings and Lord of Lords well when you're rushed. Think about it. You're typically not very kind when you're rushed. Can I get an amen? You're not patient when you're rushed. And so the Lord has invited us to walk at a different pace. We can slow down and walk with the king. Notice when you look at the life of Jesus, he is never rushed. So I want you to think about something. If the king of kings was never rushed, 
and he has invited us to walk in the same posture he has walked in, then if we are rushing, then we are not walking well in the footsteps of Jesus. Slow down. Number four, share the reason for the hope you have. I want us all to understand something. We are not the hero of our story. Jesus is. So when people take notice that you are willing to engage with them, that you're willing to meet them where they are, give the reason for the hope that is in you. It's not just because you're an overly patient person. Nope, that ain't true. It's not because you're just so good that you can't help but just be kind to others. Nope. It's because the very Spirit of God dwells within you. The king stepped into your mess and made a masterpiece, and so you can't help yourself but respond by offering your life as a living sacrifice. Give a reason for the hope that is in you, and the reason for the hope that is within you is because you had a king who stepped out of glory and lived a life you were unable to live. And he surrendered his life on a cross, paying a debt that you could not pay. Only he could because of his perfect life he lived and he died on your behalf. But the story didn't end there. See, the enemy tried to put a period there, but the king put a comma there because there was more to come. Three days later, he got up holding a key to victory and he is willing to share that key to victory with you and he offers it to you, but you have a part to play in that. You've got to accept it. That is what he did on our behalf. And maybe today is the day where you accept that key to victory and go, okay, okay. I will say yes to you, King. And Jesus met us in the midst of the mess. He walked slowly with us so that we could go and do likewise. One of my favorite authors is a guy named John Mark Comer. And every time I read his books, I'm mad at him. He says this, Jesus has invited us to a 3.5 mile per hour pace with him. This is the average speed of walking for humans. Jesus has invited us to walk with him, to be his ambassadors, and to be a conduit of the kingdom of God. Jesus has made himself available to us so that we can tell others about his availability. So what does that look like for you today? What does it look like to be available? What does it look like to be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God? Maybe for you, for the first time, it's surrendering the throne of your life to the worthy King Jesus. If you would, bow your heads for me. If you're in this place here today, or maybe you are watching online and you're going, I have not surrendered my life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I invite you right now in this moment as we have heads bowed and eyes closed, as we're fixing our attention on Jesus, maybe it's time for you to have a conversation with the King. And it's not the words, it's the posture of your heart and you accepting the free gift that God is offering to you through his son, Jesus. If you could say something like this right here and right now in this moment, just between you and God. If you could say, Jesus, I do not understand it all. Nobody does. 
But the best way I know how, I say yes to the perfect life you lived. I say yes to the fact that you were sent by your Father God to live the life I am unable to live because I fall short and I chase lesser things. But I say yes to the fact that you lived the perfect life, meaning you never made a mistake. And then to pay my debt of sin, because sin is costly. You paid my debt by surrendering your perfect life on a cross. And three days later, you got up holding the key to victory. I say yes to that key of victory. I say yes to the fact that I can have life and life to the full because of your payment, because of your death, and because you offer me this victory. I say yes. I say yes to my seat at your table. I say yes to my signet ring of the family. I say yes to my robe of righteousness. I say yes to my sandals that walk in a new way. I say yes. If you said something like that to Jesus on the authority of God's word, not Nick's opinion, He says, you have been saved. The debt has been canceled and paid in full. You have freedom. I can hear those shackles falling right now. You have freedom. (laughs) Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you made yourself available and accessible for us. And Lord, thank you that you have invited us to go and do likewise, whatever that might look like. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.